Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Zakor, and I'm on the board of advisors of Rethink Retail. And today I have the honor of hosting Jim Fogarty, the CEO of Full Beauty Brands on our podcast. Jim, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you today. Well, thanks, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to the conversation. So you have a fairly recent, you fairly recently joined Full Beauty Brands after a really impressive career in in retail, having worked with some of the biggest brands and holding companies in the world. And, you know, obviously time at the great consulting firm, Alvarez and Marcel. Maybe just, just tell us a little bit about why you came to Full Beauty Brands, what you saw that was attractive in the company, and what are some of the early wins and, and movements you've had with the company so far? Well, first, uh, I came in mid-2019. So I suppose I'm, I'm here uh, a little bit now, uh, you know, over four years. So ha- had some you know, great time here at Full Beauty. But just to go back to your question, when I was sought by the, the current board, two things were, were sort of interesting to me. I had been in the plus space before in my time at uh, Charming Shops and uh, you know, very much understood and appreciated taking care of that particular customer segment. It's, you know, both, both an important segment to take care of, but it's also a very loyal uh, segment when you take care of that, that consumer segment well. So I liked that part. And then I had just spent quite a bit of time running Orchard Brands and another direct-to-consumer business and very much liked that go-to-market strategy. So the combo of direct-to-consumer, website-driven, and, and some print and digital marketing-driven marketing approach combined with the plus space, you know, it sounded like a pretty exciting opportunity. It happened to be in New York City. And so there was just a lot about the opportunity that got me sort of back in the retail game, so to speak. I had been doing board seats and hadn't been doing a, a full-time CEO gig for a few years prior to that after, after we uh, had sold the, the Orchard uh, Brands business. So two things, basically the interest in the plus space and the web and direct-to-consumer aspect of it. Uh, and it was a great set of brands. Wonderful. Full Beauty Brands is a really mature company with a great history, I think, dating back to, to 1901. Kind of two questions in one there based on what you said. You know, since you've arrived, have you maintained the company's original mission while adapting to a very different retail landscape? And, you know, as you said, with a direct-to-consumer business, the DTC models had some challenges and, and issues uh, over the last couple of years in terms of scalability and profitability. How have you combined that, you know, rich 120-year history of the company with the demands of being a D2C company? So as you said, uh, it was founded uh, back in 1901. The initial founding brand was the, in essence, the Lane Bryant brand, which became the Lane Bryant catalog business. And then that became uh, one within inside our portfolio today. Of course, there's a separate Lane Bryant bricks and mortar oriented business that's out in the market as well. And so that was the founding uh, business. 
And we have a large set of brands in the portfolio today. And pretty much every single brand had a similar founding story. It, it oftentimes was a, whether it was Catherine's or the Romans business and, and uh, the Eloquy business, it was uh, founded by women with a, a basic mission of uh, observing that women weren't being taken care of uh, with style and fashion, uh, women in, in the plus size range. And, and each of those uh, brands was founded on that same basic mission. So we're sort of a, a holding company of brands that share that overarching mission. And in terms of how the, the mission of the, of the set of brands has evolved since, since I came, I think we have the same basic strategy and mission, and we evolved it where we were taking care of the current demographic of the sort of young senior and boomer consumer. We were taking care of that consumer quite well with Woman Within and Romans and Catherine's and Jessica London. And we wanted to also now take care of the younger demographic. Like all brands, we have both older and younger women that sort of zero in around a range of age. And we didn't want to take what was working really well, the brands that we had, and take those brands younger. And we said to ourselves, we need, with our board, we need to, the right way to do that is to either start or acquire a business that, that already uh, does that. And so we, we set about trying to take care of the millennial and Gen X customer by acquiring first Eloquy. And, and Eloquy mm. became the sort of anchor business around which we're trying to build out that demographic. And we've since bought the Cup brand. And then we, we moved one of our younger brands, Swimsuits for All, to sort of live digitally in the same digital mall with Eloquy and Cup. And so we've taken what we've already done really well with that, what we call that classic mall customer, that boomer senior demo by taking one brand and introducing that customer to other brands in our portfolio, introducing that customer to other categories in our portfolio. And through that cross-branding and building the lifetime value, we're basically taking that exact same model to this younger uh, millennial and, and X uh, demo. Yeah, that's uh, it's always tough to balance, not alienating your long-term customers and your older customers by going through a revolution in your approach to market, but trying to balance that evolutionary where you're able to attract newer, younger consumers while staying loyal to your traditional consumers. What are some of the methodology, strategies, thinking, tools, technologies that Full Beauty has been able to use to help keep that balance? First, to make one, one quick comment. So when I've seen brands get in trouble and houses of brands, I've had to work around companies who had gotten themselves in trouble. And, I, and part of my career was trying to then improve them and reset them and get them on a path towards improved profitability, et cetera. And when brands have gotten in trouble, they've tried to become something they're not. So if you try to take a brand that, that services a particular customer and has perhaps served that customer really well over the years and try to move that brand uh, younger or do something that's not natural, an, an un unnatural act, it, it never goes well. So that's why we that's why we went down the path of acquiring instead of trying to take our brands and, and make them uh, younger. But in terms of what we're using to sort of keep the brands sort of in their lanes, so to speak, you know, even if I go back to the Boomer and Senior uh, brands, we have a One Within brand, Romans, Jessica London, and they're 
they're serving different parts of the lifestyle needs of the consumer. So one within might be a little bit more, you know, colorful tops and, you know, more day in and day out uh, clothing. Jessica London might be a little bit more about uh, uh, what she would wear going to the office or just dressing up a little bit. Romans might be a little bit more about what she would wear on the weekends um, and, you know, going out to dinner and, and, and events and the like. And swimsuits for all would be would be obvious. You know, each, each uh, business is taking care of different part of uh, lifestyle. And then similar down in the younger consumer, eloquy is going to be more fashionable, more newness is required. And so what's really important is making sure the front end of the business is run by a team that's solely focused on that particular customer profile. And so that's how we organize ourselves. We have uh, teams who where the the merchandising and the merchandising first and foremost, but also some of the marketing and creative is all centered on the consumer and then that consumer profile. And then we're going to get synergies out of the back end of the business. We're going to source across all of the platform businesses. We're going to run our digital marketing back end across all of those businesses. We're going to um, have have an agency that's going to kind of cut across and help us take care of all of those uh, businesses. We're going to have, of course, distribution centers. We'll have all the product in the same distribution center. So we're trying to get efficiencies as a platform while keeping the uh, the front end of the business very focused on the consumer. And I've learned that in my my career. I've been in a lot of houses of brands, multi-brand operations. You know, Levi Strauss, Warnico, mm. Charming Shops. There's just a proper way to do that, and we've, we're, you know, we're very focused on then having strategic planning that will have a, you know, kind of a platform approach, and, and each of the brands will have a consumer profile. They'll have a margin goals, strategies, etc. So, you know, I, I could go on for a long time on this question, but that gives you sort of a high level sense of it. I think. Yeah, no, it's a, it gives us a great sense of the the, the challenge and how to meet it. You know, speaking about focusing the the brand on on the c- consumer and, and keeping that segmentation front and center, how have you been able to utilize social media, influencers, celebrity endorsements, either on the whole or across brands to keep in touch and create a dialogue with your customers? So just to start first with the original business of the boomer and young senior I think that's a business that's a little bit more in sort of the marketing mix. It's going to be heavier Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, zero TikTok in that consumer uh, profile there. And they will, you know, the influencers will, you know, there's some level of influencing where sort of user generated content is shared and they're sort of introducing one another. So they're going to be interested in the organic posts that we will Put out on Facebook, they're going to be also interested in the paid advertisements that we will be able to put out in, in Facebook and Instagram. And then, of course, there's the normal Google marketing. So I think that's that class model customer. Now, if I move you all the way to the, the younger customer and the millennial and Gen X customer, we'll go all the way to the farm and probably the younger brand that we have today it would be the, the youngest reach would probably be the cup business. And Cup is the type of brand that grew up where you know, they're really smart about getting their product out to stylists. And the stylists, of course, then work with celebrities. And so they, they've had these authentic, organic moments where mm. you know, Kendall Jenner wore the, the Cup bra. And that was a, a really great moment for them and gets them a lot of 
interest and buzz that feeds feeds on itself over time and, and creates uh, you know, great energy for the brand. Eloquy is the same. Eloquy has done a lot of collaborations between themselves and designer brands. And those kinds of connections are significantly more important to that millennial and Gen X customer than they would be to the boomer and the senior customer. So we've learned a lot by bringing those folks into our portfolio about how to do that piece of business. And so if you're down those businesses, they're going to be a little less Facebook, a little bit more Instagram, and you know, they'll also be uh, trying to figure out how to play TikTok and to get commercial success from uh, TikTok. And, and if you're up in my classic mall business, it's going to be a lot of very discreet, like last touch, you're going to see it and they're going to, they're going to click through and you're going to know that you've got a return on your ad spending. Whereas if you're down in the world of Eloquy and uh, Cup, you're going to have to be a little bit more patient for, you know, I didn't necessarily get a click, but I got an impression. And the impression is going to build value over time. And, and over the course of time, it'll turn into, into purchases. And you, you sort of have to build a model to help you think about it in, in sort of a broader way to, in, in order to make sure that's that more social impressioning is valued in the ecosystem of the younger uh, younger brands. So we've had these great ways of understanding things and we're the direct-to-consumer company and so we're very much about direct response and making sure we're getting a return on the investments that we make. And then into the younger brands, we have to sort of open our way of thinking a little bit to make sure we're taking care of all of those opportunities. It's interesting what we're seeing with the younger generations, whether it's Millennials who aren't so young anymore, some of them are 43 years old, you know, approaching uh, middle age, if not in it, but Gen Z, Gen Alpha, Gen Y, what we're seeing from them is their consumer journeys are just absolutely all over the place. They're, they're not linear. They don't necessarily follow funnel logic anymore for top, middle, bottom of the funnel. Their journeys are zigzags and bouncing all over the place. How do you address that, you know, in that changing consumer journey dynamic, number one? And number two, what we're also seeing is younger consumers care less about channel and more about two things. I, I think format, the format in which you're delivering product to them. So whether it's video format, video game format, different types of physical retail formats, and they also are craving more immersive experiences. So you know, that blend of immersive commerce with format commerce. How is or is Full Beauty Brands thinking about that in terms of looking at that customer today and where they're going to be over the next year, two, three years? Let me, let me hit format first. So we have, and I, I agree with the, the setup. I, I would also say we're in that Gen X millennial demo and down into the Gen Z, I would say, you know, that's sort of more nascent for us. You know, they would sort of be, you know, right at the fringe of the, the demo that we're serving. So we want to be, we want to be mindful of, of how that customer is evolving, but that's not, you know, we're not going right after that demo in, in the sort of sweet spot of what we're trying to uh, accomplish. They're kind of the leading edge of what kind of moves up the demo over time, I believe. And so format wise, I'd say we're still working on short form video. We're still figuring that out. We've had paid influencers. We've had more organically built influencer proponents, and we're continuing to learn. We, we think we need to ramp up and test a lot more ideas to try to get to those uh, winning ideas. So we're trying to scale up our video approach a bit. You know, obviously you can 
have these short form videos and then you can put them in either stories or the real areas and then the videos just going into TikTok in general. So we're trying to get smarter about making those things uh, commercial. I think we, we've had sort of spotty success about being commercial there, but we still want to be in that uh, business. We think that's an important uh, format to continue to be in front of those evolving younger generations or just they're kind of ramping their use of, of video. And then in terms of making this sort of immersive approach, in our demo, we're still thinking more about all of the touch points. We just want to make sure through all of our touch points that we're, you know, telling a consistent story to the customer. So I don't know how, I mean, if immersive means they're watching video instead of just coming to a kind of a static campaign ad or a carousel, we want to be kind of immersive. If immersive means being in all of the places that she's sort of hanging out, we want, we definitely want to do that. We're using various platforms to, you know, Google Performance Max. We're using all of those sort of platforms to try to get our presence out into all of the, the nooks and crannies of the internet. Full Beauty has a very, very deep understanding of the plus size woman, plus size consumers, needs, thoughts, wants, desires. And I know the company is also actively supporting in the body positive movement. What does that foretell for the future of the company, you know, using that deep understanding you have and committing to body positive and in light of cultural changes and attitudes, what does that portend for the future of the company? It's who we are. We like to say we were, you know, we were sort of inclusive before anyone was looking. Like it, <laughs> it was just sort of an inherently natural to the company. That's what we did. It was always the mission to take care of that consumer. That was the founding principle. Of, that was why the why our brands ever existed. It wasn't sort of we were a straight size business and we're going to you know go do something because others were watching us and wanting us to take care of some issue. It was just more of a natural act for the company. It's what we've always uh, done. So we've always been supportive of positivity and inclusivity. But one thing that's interesting in our company, if you look at what does that mean in other uh, businesses, it might be a straight size business adding a plus range to their business. Our range goes all the way up to a 44W. So we really have this incredible range of, of, of sizes that we make available. You know, when others go into a plus range, they might go to a 20W or 18W or, or, or the, you know, somewhere in that uh, vicinity. So we are taking care of the truly underserved customer who's really not finding a lot of options in her size. We're proud of that. It's also by taking care of that customer really well, and which we, our, our teams work very hard at making sure we have that great fit and we grade properly. We grade off of uh, multiple blocks in order to get to those much larger sizes effectively. Because if you just sort of, if you were to grade all the way up from straight sizes, you know, you, if you spend any time in this space, you get. Uh, truly ill-fitting clothing uh, because it just doesn't, does, things don't grade that way. So, we, so our fit team spent a lot of time making sure we we get that right. And then what that allows us is that customer who's really on the top end of our size range is like an incredibly loyal customer because we're like a super important resource to that customer. So I'd say we're, we've always been about doing this inclusivity 
But even relative to you know people taking care of those sizes today, I'd say we're still taking care of a portion of the market that no one else really is taking care of. You know, Lane Bryant will kind of move up fairly high in the range, but the the average other retailer that you hear about taking care of the plus range, it'll just be that front end plus range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loyalty. You know, that's something that's on the mind of every brand and retailer today. It's a hot topic in the industry. How do we define loyalty? How do we create loyalty? What role do loyalty programs play in a brand or retailer's success? You know, aside from providing the products on the outer edges of the size ranges, you know, obviously that's product loyalty. What's the the full beauty brand's approach to creating loyalty and, and keeping consumers in love with the brand and coming back? Because at a time when cost of consumer acquisition is through the roof and logistics and fulfillment costs are through the roof and reverse logistics and high return rates in the fashion industry, how do you create that loyalty? You really need a, a lot more sales these days than you used to, to get your ROI and your ROAS and how does the company do it? Because you're obviously doing something right. We've had sort of this, if you will, economic mousetrap that's been built over the years. And it really starts with, uh, as you say, it's the cost of acquiring customers incredibly high. And so we we very much value every single woman who comes into our brand. So if we can get a woman to join us and, and make her first purchase, let's say with one within, we are trying to make her loyal to that brand is sort of job number one. And what we do is we, we communicate to that customer. We onboard that customer. We think about all of the welcoming emails, the welcoming, you know, we, we want to know who she is when she hits our website. We are going to personalize our website, knowing who she is. We're going to personalize our emails, knowing who mm-hmm. she is. And by making those connections, and then by the way, we create a count on set of products. So she counts on our bottoms, you know, our woven bottoms that are in her fit. She counts on our tops that that are in her fit. She might Mm. buy eight length. We're going to make sure that she almost needs to come back to us. And we have we have a a repeat Mm. product line that will bring out new colors in each year. We'll add newness for sure, but she sort of comes back to us because, and then we. Our intimates business is very important. You know, we get her to, to sort of find a bra she likes with us. That's going to bring her back. So we're trying to bring her back into that same brand. And then we have these, as I mentioned earlier, these multiple brand relationships. So we're trying to you know, get her to have loyalty to the main brand, to add additional brands, additional product categories. And, th- and there we can build out the lifetime value or the next 12 months value, the next 24 months value with that acquisition. That's super important to making the math work because the cost of digital acquisition has gone up tremendously, as you know, Michael. It's unbelievable, actually, how much inflation has occurred in that space. We're not immune to that, but we're working really, really hard to make sure we can add more lifetime value to that customer, make her even more loyal with the product itself, but also with the the multi-brand relationships. If you've seen our website, it's in a universal card kind of a structure. So she'll come in. It's like the gap does where she'll come into one within and she can jump over to Romans, Jessica London, and she can check out with product from all of those businesses in one, in one transaction. Excellent. I really like that term count on products. I'm going to borrow that from you and I'll certainly give you credit for it. I really like that. 
So to wrap up, we're coming into the holiday season here and looking forward to 2024. What are some of the opportunities and challenges you see for the retail industry, for brands, and for e-commerce coming in 2024? Are some of those in general the same for full beauty? What's the outlook for the coming year and in some major changes that you think are afoot that could be positive, negative, or something you need to be forced to react to? Of course, the, the basic macro question, you know, is it soft landing? Is it going to be a hard landing? You know, is it going to be a recession? We, of course, think about those things, try to follow them. And we've all been wrong about this, I think. So you know, we're trying to be as smart as we can be. But we really focus on trying to control the controllables, you know, in our own business. So we're working hard at improving once that customer is coming to our website, because getting that traffic to the website at such a premium and making absolute sure that it's it's set up for game time when she gets there. And we've been working hard across our whole web funnel to try to continue to improve the conversion, whether it's getting her to move seamlessly from the product listing pages to the product detail page, making sure that product detail page is amazing, you know, that it's back to bricks and mortar days, that that floor set is amazing pictures are amazing. You know, how you speak about the product is amazing. And then we've had a lot of success by just back to basics, thinking about that in the moment PDP. And then that's moving her through pushing items into checkout. And we're playing around with improving our own checkout and making sure that's as seamless as we can make it. You know, we're very much a value oriented business. We know in this moment of tough economic times, we've got to really uh, up our game and telling the value story, you know, the price along with product value story uh, as she's moving through that checkout. So we're, we're really focused on those basics. You know, we do have some positives where the cost of cotton exchange rates are better, the container costs are down. So the product cost is going to position nicely into the next uh, year. We are presuming that the consumer is going to continue to have challenges and that we have to be really, really mindful of that. And we're trying to make our, like everyone else, trying to making our economics work as well as we can, a tough retail environment. Jim Fogarty, CEO of Full Beauty Brands. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your brilliant insights. I know everyone in the audience is going to be smarter for what you had to say today. And yeah, we'd love to have you back again sometime because there's so much more we could explore with you. So good luck with this holiday season and in 2024. Well, thank you, Michael. Thanks for those kind words. And maybe we'll do this again. It sounds, sounds fun. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.